this week an update on what's going on in Yellowstone National Park, a discussion about the crazy heat we're having, and Starlink. We have been using Starlink for several months now, and we're going to give our full review and talk about whether Starlink is right for you, because it really might not be. This is RV Miles. This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who invite you to simply step outside this summer. With expert tips and advice, L.L. Bean can help you get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's a tip. Set yourself up for easy backyard adventures by leaving a tote bag with the essentials right by the door, sunscreen, bug spray, and a few hats or pairs of sunglasses. Now you'll never need to search your house to find them. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Welcome to episode number 239 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to our national parks, and a whole lot more. We are recording for the first time with our air conditioner running. So if you hear that in the background... It's just too hot to turn the air conditioner off. We're plenty comfortable, plenty cold in here right now in the RV. It's but very nice in the RV, but <laughs> we're going to talk about it as we get to our black tank. But y'all, the heat dome, it is it is a real thing and it is intense. <laughs> uh, we wanted to kick off the show today with a discussion about Yellowstone. Obviously, um, that's on a lot of people's minds who are planning on go- going to Yellowstone this year. But of course, there are many communities that have... Um, been severely impacted by uh, some torrential rains that caused lots of flooding along with uh, snow melts and rising temperatures that uh, happening at the same time that caused some rivers to swell up and and really plow through some canyons and destroy some roads and stuff like that. The footage coming out of Yellowstone National Park on the northern side has been quite spectacular. I mean, the damage is going to be... uh, There's talk at this point now, Yellowstone hasn't released an actual plan or an idea of what the season is going to look like. The park is closed through the weekend, through Father's Day weekend. But it does look like, and rumor has it, that the northern road into Gardner is going to be closed at least for the season, if not for longer. Yeah, that there. I have some new information on the park opening potentially that I haven't shared with you yet that I'll share here. But that road, Route 89, that mm-hmm. goes from um, Mammoth Hot Springs area of the park out into Gardner, yeah. the, the the devastation of it, the, the roadbed is gone. It can't be rebuilt on the same footprint. Mm-hmm. So even if they were able to start rebuilding it right now, it's going to need to be re-engineered. It's going to need bridges uh, where bridges never were. Uh, It's going to be probably a several year project. Now there's another road, the Northeast entrance also has some washouts on it, but is less impacted. Um, But again, it's, it's not going to be open to the public probably this season. It might be open to, open to the residents of the little town that's up there. Um, but the, those northern portions of the park are going to be impacted for mm-hmm. the whole season. 
Yeah, and it does look like when they do open up, and they did talk about this in a, a recent statement, that the southern portion of the park, they are going to have to do some sort of crowd control. They're going to have to do timed entries in order to sort of keep the park from being completely overwhelmed because now you're going to have everyone unable to spread out. They're all going to be in sort of the southern where Old Faithful and everything is. So there is going to be some changes. And if you have upcoming trips, just you're going to want to kind of be flexible and really pay attention to what is going on and how that's going to impact your getting into the park, especially if you're staying outside of the park in regards to timed reservations time to entry yeah so the the park road the main park road is basically a figure eight in yellowstone so the southern loop has not been affected very much by the flooding there is a mudslide that needs to be cleared away that they're they're trying to get cleared away the superintendent uh just yesterday held a a zoom meeting with a lot of the um, the commercial tour operators that work within Yellowstone to bring people in and give them tours. The plan currently is to try to get the Southern o- Loop open by Tuesday. Um, you know, nothing guaranteed yet. The Northern Loop is actually fairly okay, minus those roads that go out of the park. But the Northern Loop might not be too much longer to reopen. But when the park does reopen, it will just be that Southern Loop likely. And like Abby said, there will be some sort of reservation system. The big challenge is that all of the support system for the concessionaire, so the the folks that run the campgrounds, the folks that run the the lodges and all the shops and everything, there are there are over a thousand people that live and work in Yellowstone National Park. All of their support base is up in Gardner and is is blocked off right now and will be blocked off for the year so the question is like getting things like food supplies laundry into the park all of that is impacted and that's Mm -hmm. a big reason why they want to limit visitation in in the southern loop when they reopen so that that support system isn't overwhelmed it's a big undertaking and more than that it's just a lot of communities as well that you know this is their big tourist season this is when the bulk of these gateway towns make the money that allows them to stay open all year long or allows them to reopen in the next season. So there are a lot of moving pieces to this that, you know, nature does what nature is going to do. And these are wild, natural places that we go to enjoy and love. And so, yes, we are all impacted. Yes, these communities have a lot to figure out. One of the things that's been such a blessing coming out of this is so far, there have been no fatalities. There have been people who have obviously lost homes and possessions and things like that, but everyone has come out of it unscathed so far, uh, which is quite something, especially when you see the footage and what a flood can do and how quickly it can destroy. I mean, it's it's been quite uh, something to watch. I... I feel like I can't move on from this, though, without acknowledging one rumor that is going around that I think we just need to touch on for a second, if I can. And that is the rumor that uh, this volcano (laughs) is going to blow, okay? And that everyone, there have been, um, we have been sort of blown away, if you will, by the number of people who who believe 
that the park was evacuated under a secret plan because the volcano is going to erupt and they had to get everybody out of there. Let me tell all of you who believe that evacuating people to West Yellowstone <laughs> will not save these people if this volcano goes off, okay? No, if, we're, we're all done. <laughs> yes. I need, I need all of you to understand that if you think this is a conspiracy because the volcano is is it's all happening the number of conspiracies there, there are many of them that are underground bases that are being flooded all sorts of stuff if you go on I, our, our our video about yellowstone being closed and look through the comments on tiktok go uh, to tiktok oh, that's, th- where, that's you need where the to, real yeah, ones this are is because there's been 5.4 million views of this video on our tiktok and i don't want to get into some of the other conspiracies because i'm not here to have a political or religious discussion with anybody. But I just think from a scientific, documented, known, I mean, listen, were they okay in Pompeii? <laughs> they were basically in West Yellowstone when that went off. Okay? Like, you're not... Just because you got evacuated out of Yellowstone, there's nowhere you can hide if that thing goes off. Like it, I just, I felt like I just... That one, to me is the one that I feel like we can hopefully the majority of us can come together and have a discussion and just, and just talk about where that reaches. If it goes off where it doesn't, it doesn't stay in the park boundaries. Okay. (laughs) Like let's just, just leave it at that. But yes, if you would like to see some of the ideas as to why outside of just a flash flood, this has happened, uh, head on over to the RV miles, a TikTok account and uh, spend a few hours reading some comments. Yellowstone is a really big place. It's hard to understate how big Yellowstone yeah. is. If you have plans to go this summer, uh, don't cancel them yet. You don't feel like don't feel like you need to cancel them yet, unless they are. You know, you were going to be in Gardner or something like that. Then probably definitely want to cancel. But but you. You can just sort of wait and see what happens. If you're planning on going in the next few days, that's probably not going to happen. But uh, you, you know, follow it, and and it's probably best to sort of give the park some space over the next few days as well. Yeah. But um, the park will be open at some point, and uh, it will be okay to visit, and you will have a great experience there. Uh, just uh, just sort of keep up to date with what the park says is happening. We'll try to keep informing people as well. But if you go on their website, they are very good about keeping the information very, very current on the Yellowstone website. Keyword is flexibility here, folks. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our our current internet setup with Starlink, uh, which is a game changer in many ways, but it is also very challenging in many other ways. We're going to give our full review of Starlink internet because I know a lot of people are excited about getting it. Here after a short break. I wondered how long it would be before you figured out how to su- how to use the words game changer. Uh-huh. All, all right, we'll be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox has been designing and manufacturing some of the best towing products in the industry. Blue Ox is everywhere. Highways, campgrounds, anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Blue Ox produces award-winning tow bars and base plates, plus a full line of weight distributing hitches and a new lineup of adjustable ball mounts. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. 
To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. Have you heard of Park Wolf? It's a game-changing iPhone app for exploring U.S. national parks. Park Wolf's Wildlife Finder makes finding any wildlife species super easy. Park Wolf gives you heat maps and charts of the best places and times in the park to find any species. Park Wolf's free drive GPS Explorer makes exploring the park a breeze by showing upcoming places in the park as you drive, along with distances to the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover points. You can download Park Wolf for iPhone from the App Store today and start making the most of your national park visit. We are back and it is time to talk Starlink. But uh, before we do that, though, can I just jump in with a little RV Miles? Oh, sure. News? Yes, I, do, I, I skipped over this. You, you wanted to talk about this in the in the beginning and I, I forgot. You it. skipped over a whole lot in the opening that we just you wanted to get right to the Yellowstone. The computer in front of you and not in front of me. And I know. I didn't see it. And one of us is driving this conversation and that's not the person with the computer. Oh, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just really quickly remind everyone that we do have an RV Miles meetup coming up this fall. It's going to be, I can give a little bit more information, it's going to be in November, it's going to be in California, and we would really, really like to see you there. We're hoping to have all of the information ironed out and ready to go by the end of June. So if you are interested in joining us, the best way to do that is to join our mailing list. Everyone on the mailing list is going to hear about this first. It's really simple. You just go over to rvmiles.com slash mailing list, and all we need from you is your email. We don't need to know any of your pet's names. We don't need your social security number. And we definitely don't need your address. We just need an email. And we will never share that email with anybody else. So go over to rvmiles.com slash mailing list and be one of the first to know about this upcoming event, which we are so excited for. All right. That's all I wanted to say. You said there were a couple things. That's one thing. Well, that's one thing. But we had, I had that we were just going to kind of give a little bit of an update of where we were and talk about the fact that we're going to try and increase our lives. And and not our lives, like increase our lives. I don't know what that means. Oh, our lives. Our live, no, like we going live. We can't tell these people that we're going to be doing more live streams. They, they they're have, so over us. They're, they're, so, they're over so over us. They're so over us. Not knowing when we're going to go live <laughs> and saying we're going to go live and not going live. Our, our, we, <laughs> we, y'all are probably listening to this and being like, oh, so you mean you're going to do it once a year. <laughs> That's a great increase. Good job, Jason and Abby. No, we, we have talked about that and we're we really genuinely oh i know i sound like a broken record just just stay with me friends genuinely we want to not just do the monthly live where we all come together to hang out but start doing lives that are have a little bit more of a a focus to them and maybe they're not as long we're just jumping on to share something uh you know and not scheduled you're gonna maybe just you know just keep an eye out we might just pop up on a live you know on a friday afternoon because we want to share a little bit of something and if we do do that we would go live at the rv miles youtube channel and on the rv miles facebook page so those if you're not following those two those would be two that you would want to go over and join because we are going to just try to do uh just on the fly, more organic as as it pops up. So, 
Is that is that good? Is that sure. my few? That's great. Can we, okay, are you ready? That's okay. great. That, I can Game segue changers. into that because our more robust internet setup Allows will help that? us do that a little bit better. Look, see how I did that for you? I just <laughs> I just gifted a transition to you. All right, let's talk about Starlink. All so right. Starlink is satellite internet. And satellite internet has been around for a while. But the older satellite internet used what's called geostationary satellites. So satellites that basically stay in the same spot and they're very far away. And the big problem you had with that was lag, right? And and the antennas had to be aimed very accurately. So it took a long time to set up, still very expensive, and there were still limits on the amount of data that you could use and it wasn't lightning fast, right? So Starlink is a service that is provided by SpaceX, which Elon Musk is the CEO and it's a big company that uh, is doing a lot of Americans rocketry right now. And the satellites that they put up to provide internet service are what call, what are called low earth orbit satellites. So they are much, much closer, about 250 miles away from the, the Earth's surface. And there's going to be a heck of a lot of them and they are constantly moving, right? Instead of these geostationary satellites that the old service had, they're, they're moving, they're in orbit. Um, and they're about the size of a school bus each. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, but that's actually much smaller than traditional satellites, right? There are over 2000 of them up there right now and it's growing every month by about 250 more satellites that go up every month the network eventually is going to be around 40,000 satellites that sort of blanket the earth with internet. Um, and that's going to be amazing for people that live in rural places, people, you know, in, in places that are very long distances from any sort of internet, uh, you know, think Africa, Alaska, all sorts of places. Or even people who are bound by one internet service in their community and they are being charged an astronomical amount for that Absolutely. and being given very little in regards to reliability and data in return. So Starlink, uh, the service, when you pay for the service, it's it's uh, about 600 bucks for the, the equipment, right? And then it's $110 a month for the residential service plus an additional $25 a month to enable portability. Uh, and then separately, they have an RV service. Starlink for RVers is also this, you know, the same sum total of those two, $135 a month. So you kind of have two choices. You can get the residential or you can get the, uh, the RV service. The difference is being the residential is on a wait list because residential is sort of the primary service that doesn't get slowed down or deprioritized. So when you're on portability or you're on the RV service, so when you're moving away from your home address on portability or anytime you're on the RV service, you're slowed down behind those people who have the residential mm -hmm. Starlink. That's why there's a wait list for the residential. They can only have so many people in a given area. And the more satellites go up, the more people in a given cell is what they call it. They can have. Okay. So what a lot of RVers had been doing before the Starlink for RVs plan is ordering at a random address that had availability somewhere, even if their area did not, and then adding portability and then just having it shipped to them. 
which Starlink has been totally fine with, apparently. Since they enabled the Starlink for RVers plan, that's available to anyone at any time. You can go buy it right now and get it shipped to you right now. Again, always deprioritized below the people at their uh, primary addresses. Since that happened, I think a lot of people have been buying the Starlink for RV service. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people who aren't even RVers, a lot of people who are just on these wait lists in these rural areas and are like, well, I can get this right now, right? Since all that happened, we have seen a great reduction in speeds. Uh, And from the people I've talked to, mainly it's only uh, relegated to the east and, and busy areas in the east. People in the west have not really seen that very much. 80% 80% of the country lives in the eastern half of the country, so that makes sense, right? There's a lot, even even though the, the RV plan is available to anybody across the country, those people are going to be congregated more yeah. towards the east. So there is a challenge there with the number of people using Starlink in a given area. And I think we're going to see that play out more and more because Starlink is selling faster than they're putting satellites up. Yes, I'm sure they're selling more than 250 units a yeah. month. So every, and it takes six months for a satellite to get online too. So my concerns right now are, uh, well, we had some issues. I mean, there mm-hmm. were times when, and, and it was mainly just in the evenings when we were really slowed down. Um, but there were times where we were getting zero to three megabits per second, which is virtually useless. Nothing. Now, we still had internet during the day that was good. Uh, in some of these areas that we were in in the east, so that was that was okay. And knowing that, I, I you know I feel better about okay. Well, we're just going to have to work and upload videos and whatever during that time of day. But my biggest concern is one of the mistakes that a lot of the cell companies made back when the cell companies did unlimited plans uh, is that they don't understand the way RVers move about the country and then particularly in the winter, congregate in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine all of those Starlink for RVers plans, a good portion of them are going to be moving towards Florida and Southern Arizona and Southern California in the winter. So if you're in Quartzsite, Arizona, and hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands, have Starlink dishes there, this service is going to be uh, degraded substantially, right? Yeah, and... Because of the experience that we have had since this new Starlink for RVers rolled out, it has only enforced for us the need to keep our travel data, which is an unlimited service that we have. Through T-Mobile and travel data is the company, but it's T-Mobile service. It's T-Mobile service through travel data. And then also uh, ensuring that we have hotspotting on our phones and that very wonderful never letting it go until AT&T prize it out of my cold, dead hands, the Mobley hotspot plan Which that we have. You can't get, but it is $20 a month. And we've been grandfathered into it and we've been holding on to it for a long time. Yeah. And we do have um, a video and an article that talks about these plans that we have. So if you are looking for Starlink to be your primary, but you really do want like a backup, like a safety, especially if you're like us and you have to work from the road and you have kids that need to do online school from the road. I'm going to put that article in the podcast show notes as well as the description for the YouTube video. Yeah. The other big difference between the Starlink for RVers plan and the uh, the residential plan 
is that the Starlink for RVers plan is pausable. So the residential mm -hmm. plan, if you stop payment on it, you might lose your spot in in that given address, yeah. right? The uh, the RVer plan you can pause at any time, so that's great for people who, you know, don't live on the road like us and wouldn't we wouldn't be pausing it. But the people that are you know six months on the road or they're just doing a month out at a time or whatever, but you can pay for a month of service and then shut it off. You cannot use like two dishes on the same plan. Mm -hmm. the The payment is tied to the dish itself. And so if you, you can't just have a home plan and then a second dish right. that you use on the road that, you know, that your home dish mounted to your roof and then one that you take with you in your RV, you can't do that. It's, it's tied to the actual dish itself. So you need to buy a whole separate plan in order to do that, which is annoying. The, the equipment itself overall is one of the challenges for RVers is that it's not super RV friendly. Mm -mm. It's a little bulky. It's not the greatest idea to mount it to the roof of your RV for several reasons. We, we like to be able to move it around the campsite in order to get that best view of the northern sky, which is what it wants. And even when I put it on the roof, sometimes it's on the front of the roof. Sometimes it's yeah. on the back of the roof. So. We currently have it sort of at the front of our rig right now, but actually on the ground mm -hmm. in order to just navigate some of the trees that are around us. If we had had that mounted on the RV, we would not be using Starlink right now. Trees are a big issue. So it, it wants a very wide view of the sky mm -hmm. to have completely interrupted service. Right now we have a decent view of the sky at this campsite. There are a lot of trees here though in this area, but out near the road, where which is why we have it at the front of our campsite, it's fairly wide open. And then, so with that, we're getting dropouts like every 10 minutes for a few seconds, which is fine for streaming video. It's fine for us working on a computer or whatnot. It's terrible for something like a Zoom call. Yeah, it was not working for Henry when he was trying to take his out school class. You will get he, dropped right off of that yep. Zoom call. So that that is something important to consider is if, you want, if you're gonna be doing teleconferencing type stuff, you really want the very wide view of the sky and and that'll work for you but you know in in general it 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 works really well when it works and we can get some really great speeds and get a lot of work accomplished it's just not the perfect thing another issue in terms of like the the equipment itself is that it's just not made to really take apart often and put back together right. it's difficult to sort of it's going to take some time to to do when you're like overnighting at a campsite somewhere for a night. So, uh, and you can't use it in motion yet, anything like that. Um, so there are just little piddly challenges like that. And I'm going to go into a lot more detail about sort of the challenges with Starlink in a, in a YouTube video that's going to come out here in a few days, but it, there's just a lot of growing pains mm -hmm. with the system. Right. And, and one of those biggest growing pains is customer service. So I've talked to lots of people that, they have a problem. The The dish that was sent to them is damaged. Um, they've done some damage to it themselves. You can't just go online and order a replacement mm -hmm. dish. You have to contact customer service. And the way you contact customer service is you go into their frequently asked questions. You click the <sighs> thumbs down on this didn't solve my problem. And then a window pops up that allows you to submit a ticket. Stop. And 
you probably won't hear back for several weeks. Oh my god! On that ticket. So th- this is a company that is making rapid changes. It has growing pains that doesn't really quite understand customer service yet. So again, understand? I don't think this they is... don't have customer service. <laughs> That's not customer service. Right. Again, this is something that you can't 100% or even maybe 50% rely on as your only internet service, unless perhaps you're, you're stationary somewhere where you've got a great view of the sky, you're not moving around, uh, and it's perfect for you. But for people that travel a lot, it, it has a lot of challenges with it. Now, I do know um, that they are working on a, a new antenna mm-hmm. that will be for mobile applications for boats and RVs and will probably be DC powered because that's another issue is that the current setup is AC powered. So you have to run it through you know, a regular Edison plug off your inverter or when you're plugged in at a campground, but it's not gonna run off of battery power. And there are some losses in power because of that. And it's just another thing that makes it a challenge. So like if, for, for instance, we wanted to turn our inverter off in the evening to save on some battery power, that kills our internet right now. And people mm. have done some hacks and stuff to fix that. But for most people, that's not gonna be them. So. For most RVers, I think it's probably best to wait a little bit until they've come out with a, with a new mobile antenna that is mountable, DC powered, and all that sort of stuff. And you know that once they figure out a little bit of the data management, growing pains of managing a network this size, I, I I'm surprised they haven't slowed down the sales of the RV plan yet, mm-hmm. but they seem to be actually actively advertising it. So. I think they actively need that money. Yeah, is probably it, it, what it is in order to continue to get these satellites up. It did um, seem like a big money grab, actually. Yeah, and you know, I have to say, just we're, you know, you're talking about this new, a smaller antenna. And the one thing that you keep saying that I'm not, based on what we were just talking about, that I'm not thrilled to hear is, again, mountable. Yeah. I think that even when the smaller antenna comes out and if the only way to use it is that you have to mount it, I think that's going to present a lot of challenges for RVers who are RVing in the South, the Midwest, and the East. Wherever there's trees. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, I would imagine that it will also have a base option, but who knows, right? No, right. Nobody knows what, what it's going to be like. It might not be as good of an antenna either because yeah. it might not move. So the current antenna has motors in it that that finds the best part of the sky so again that's one of the things that's better about starlink over the old satellite systems is that you don't have to point the satellite yourself it finds the best spot for for itself as long as you can get it a rough open view of that northern sky but will the new antenna that is mountable be just a flat antenna or maybe it'll be a dome that it can shoot through who knows but it might not be as good as the current antenna regardless it is going to be several years before starlink gets enough satellites up there to really make this a robust system they also have to do ground stations ground stations are what the satellites talk to on the ground that connect to the internet so the ground station shoots up to the satellite and the satellite shoots back down to your your Mm -hmm. dish right and and back and forth and there are lots of areas where they need to build more ground stations they need to turn on the lasers, there are lasers that will talk between the satellites up in the air that haven't been turned on yet, which will allow for uh, 
no ground stations uh, in places like uh, out over the ocean, right? There, there are lots of things like that that are coming in the future, but again, just aren't there yet. So if you are tech savvy and you, you don't, you've got the money to spend and you need lots of internet, it, it can be a great thing. You're going to have to fiddle with it. You're going to have some annoyance with, is with it. It's not going to be perfect, but it is a, a, an option that really can help significantly. Uh, but if it's just something that might add a little bit of extra to your RVing, I say wait. Yeah, I sometimes wonder that if we hadn't wanted to get our, you know, to just kind of look at this from a, a work standpoint, a business standpoint, and be able to use it and talk about it like we're doing today and like you've been able to talk about it because you have really taken an active role in trying to inform people all about it, not just like, how you can mount it or how you store it, but literally like how this thing works for you on the road. If that was not really important to us and also important to our community, yeah. I don't know that we would have gotten this, honestly. Well, I think we probably would have at least waited until, knowing all that I know now, yeah. until we were ready to head west. Yeah. You know, we, we yeah. would have saved four months or so of service and, and got it when we were about to head west. Yeah. You know, and... But again, when it's working, it's amazing. And it really does take a lot of the headache out, especially for us with a lot of the uploading and the podcast and everything like that takes it's, you know, it's so nice to have that. Um, I've been trying this whole time since you said the word lasers to figure out how to bring laser cats into this whole thing. <laughs> Space lasers. Because I just really want like little laser cats in Starlink, like somehow operating the whole thing. It's just <laughs> You're my... not familiar with the SNL sketch, laser cats. Look it up on YouTube. You need to we look just showed it, up. it to the kids the other day. They uh, love it. They love when the cats get like, they're like, <laughs> and the cats are like firing out. It's fantastic. The other thing that we're, we're working on to help solve some of the issues that we have, and this is going to get a little too technical for some people. I apologize. Um, I'll try to keep it as simple as possible, but we've, we've sort of bought some stuff recently getting ready to install that will do uh, automatic failover and load balancing of our different internet connections. So basically uh, you can do this with a, a really expensive router, but we actually bought a little affordable box to do it where we connect the Starlink to the box. We connect the uh, the travel data T-Mobile to the box. We connect the AT&T to the box and then a Wi-Fi router to that. So all of our devices in the house can just be on that one Wi-Fi network. We don't have to, we won't have to move them back and forth depending on which internet is best in this given area. And it will automatically balance the load across those connections if you know say both say two or three of them or all three of them are sort of weak it will add them together um or one is great and like starlink is offering is, is operating really awesome so it has us all on that and then we get a dropout it will it will switch us over without interruption to the other network so that's really going to help solve our, our some of the problems that we have yeah. allow us to have some uninterrupted live streams hopefully um but what did what did you name it what did you name the net, the network sabernet sabernet <laughs> <laughs> i love how you didn't name it anything after our business you went right for like it's the sabernet, it's the sabernet. all right 
anything else we want to add before we move on and wrap this up? I think that's it. Other than uh, that video is going to come out uh, in, a, in a couple days after this podcast episode. So if you want to check that out, there'll be some more detailed information about some of the challenges that you might want to consider before buying Starlink. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, for all this information that I didn't have to go and learn. I really, really appreciate you. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss our fresh tank black tanks. So stick around. We'll be right back. We are back and it is time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank? this month this week today (laughs) continue (laughs) there is a big problem that is happening in a lot of the tourism communities out Mm -hmm. there right now um i've been seeing a lot about this in sedona in in oregon and washington um idaho big problem there as well where the the people that live and work in these communities to support a heavy tourism economy mm-hmm. cannot afford to live there anymore. Uh, not only can they not afford to live there or nearby there, there are no homes available for them to live in because so many homes in these areas are becoming Airbnbs. Mm. I, I recently read a post uh, on Facebook uh, uh, from a Sedona resident about how they just feel like their town is dying over this. That mm-hmm. that people have to, uh, a they a lot of them are living on public lands in an RV, and and a lot of them have to travel, you know, an hour to get into work or more, because just there's nowhere for them to live. A lot of people are being uh, pushed out of homes that they've rented mm-hmm. for years and years and years because that landlord finds that making it an Airbnb will be more profitable in this time, uh, especially over the last couple of years, of very heavy tourism uh, on on American roads. I recently read an article about, I have it in front of me here, about how Idaho has been rated the the most overinflated housing market in the country. I'm sorry. Idaho. Yeah. Uh, Meaning that the disparity between what people are making, mm-hmm. what people can, you know, are, are making for a living, their wages and the cost of a house uh, is is so high. Uh, and, and what is happening in Idaho right now is that a lot of people are moving into RVs and living in RV parks where they can get a little bit more affordable rent and are, uh, well, of course, taking the ability for a lot of us to visit some of these RV parks. Uh, but it's raising the prices of everything even more because wages are needing to go up in these areas. But again, it's just a big problem of people that support a tourism economy being able to find housing in, in a lot of these areas. And and that's a really unfortunate problem. I don't know the solution to, I think I, I I think I might've mentioned uh, several weeks ago about something uh, Atlanta is doing um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or I mentioned it to you in person or something, but I, yeah. I remember talking about it to somebody. I don't think we've talked about this. Atlanta had ha passed a law where um, you can only have two Airbnbs 
uh, if you are an Airbnb owner. Okay. One of them has to be your primary residence. Huh. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the issues that's going on is that Airbnb used to be a thing where it's like you can rent your home out while you're Mm -hmm. gone and make a little extra cash or is say you own a a condo building or a a duplex, you could make some extra cash on that. But but now it's become a thing where like these investment companies are buying dozens of Airbnbs, especially after 2020, because what happened in early 2020 when heck of a lot of Airbnb stays got canceled. Right. Is a lot of people could not make their mortgage payments and had to sell. And a lot of investment companies swooped in then, right? So there are, there's some big challenges with Airbnb going on. I also read an article recently uh, uh, from a travel blogger who was in Paris uh, or on their way to Paris, like two days away from going to Paris and got an email that the apartment that they had rented mm-hmm. uh, for her and her two kids teenagers so they wanted some space and they wanted a kitchen to be able to save on food and all that right uh, was canceled was not canceled was not available was not going to be available so could they go and cancel the reservation so the airbnb operator didn't cancel the reservation they asked them to cancel the reservation which is apparently a bit of a scam because if you do that then the Airbnb operator doesn't get any sort of uh, negative review or anything mm. from that. And they can then go re-rent it at maybe a higher price. <gasps> or maybe it never was available at all and they just decided, well, we're not traveling. We're going to stay in our own home or whatever. But there's a lot of that going on apparently. And it, you might not get the money back for several weeks. So there's a lot of issues going on in the in the whole Airbnb space. But uh, the the unfortunate one to me right now is that it is causing big problems in some of these communities that a lot of us like to visit Wow! with the people that need to work in those towns. Wow. So crazy times we're living in. All right. What is in your fresh tank this week? My fresh tank, I just came up with it during this podcast. <laughs> was how well the Sabre is doing with air conditioning. So we told you at the top of the show, we are recording with air conditioning on for the first time. We never do that. I'm nope. going to have to do some filtering of this audio because it does make some noise. So thank you for your grace uh, while well, you're listening. Hopefully I can get most of it out. But we have one of the two is 90 degrees outside. We have one of the two air conditioners running on low. And I am perfectly comfortable right now. It's a very, very content 74 degrees in here. And it's not hot yeah we're fairly shaded in this campsite which i'm sure mm-hmm. helps a ton got the awning out that's keeping sun off of the side of the rig the you kids know? might be warm up in the loft right now without the second one on i don't know but but i'm well, fine so i'm I'm really yeah. really happy with the insulation on the saber yeah it did really well for us when we were here and we're we're back in uh jason's hometown right now it did really well for us over the winter Mm-hmm. You know, and it's now here we are experiencing uh, the complete opposite, which is unbelievable heat and humidity. The, the, and a lot of people don't realize how how important insulation is for heat. They think, yeah. oh, I don't need to buy a well-insulated rig because I never camp in the winter, but it really helps in the summer, Do you too. camp in the summer? I yeah. mean, so I we can, I guess, then go ahead and lead into my black tank. Sure which is this heat dome that 
250 plus million of us have been experiencing this week. And, you know, we have been here in the Quad Cities area and the heat index has been somewhere around 104 uh, with humidity just topping out like, you know, 80, 90 percent. And you just you walk outside and it is oppressive. I've said this, I don't know how many times on this podcast, I will take that 100 degree heat any day if it's a dry heat. When you smack humidity, high, high humidity on top of that, it is oppressive. It's dangerous and it's oppressive. And this has been for June, for not even the official, it's not even officially summer yet. And to already have this heat dome that brought, for some people, incredible storms. We watched a storm a couple nights just skirt a little bit north of us. We got just a little bit of wind and a real brief uh, rainstorm, incredible lightning all around us. We watched that kind of skirt us. But a lot of people have not been as fortunate. Uh, But... Wow. I, you know, this has been just this week has been something else. I've seen a lot of RVers posting on Facebook groups and such about having issues with their air conditioners in this intense heat. And I want to recommend a couple things to think about. Um, One, make sure that you have cleaned your filters on your air conditioner that if you look up and they're brown, you need to clean them. Yep. The the dirtier they are, the harder the air conditioner has to work get up on the roof and take the hood off of it and clean the coils and make sure everything is clean under there. Um, But a lot of people have been mentioning that like breakers are tripping Mm -hmm. when their air conditioners are running and that can cause it. But another thing that can cause it is low voltage at the campground. When lots of people are using air conditioners heavily in a campground that doesn't have the greatest electrical grid, often the voltage can drop to unsafe numbers. And when uh, when the voltage drops, the amperage goes up, which can trigger a breaker to flip. If you are not using a surge protector that shows uh, your voltage and cuts the, cuts the power off when the voltage gets too low, you could be damaging your air conditioners Mm -hmm. and you could have damaged them last summer and they might be having issues now because of that. But, uh, but make sure you're at least get, I've, I've mentioned this before, get a $15 voltage meter that you can plug into an outlet that can show you the voltage. If you don't have the money to get an expensive surge protector, we recommend the Hughes, Hughes power watchdog, which is great. Um, and has Bluetooth connectivity and all that. But if you can just get one of these little $15 voltage meters that you can put on your wall and and make sure that you're never dropping below like 107 volts, 108 volts, uh, you can sort of make sure you're not doing any damage to anything with a compressor, your air conditioners, your uh, your refrigerator. That's that's really important to do. So yeah. go out and get one of those. And we'll link to those both in the show notes for the podcast so you can see what Jason's talking about. And then as well as the YouTube description, I just want to add as well that uh, other ways to combat the heat and to protect your rig and the air conditioner itself is, you know, I know we all want to stay nice and cool, but consider keeping that at a little bit higher temperature so that it's not constantly running. You know, we try to keep ours well 
somewhere around 74, 76, even as high as 78. Consider leaving during the heat of the day if you can, and then go ahead and set that AC to 80, 82 degrees so that, again, it's not running during the scorching, you know, that late afternoon is when it tends to be the hottest. It's just searing. Consider going out for a couple hours and giving the air conditioner a break, giving you all a break. Um, they, there's often when the air conditioner is running heavily, they can freeze over too. Mm-hmm. They, they develop a ice block inside um, and that stops them from working as well. And and the, you, they often say that you can only expect about a, a 20 degree difference in an RV air conditioner. So if it's like 105 degrees outside, you might want to set your air conditioner at 85 degrees yeah. anyway to keep it from from overloading and freezing up yeah and then you might have an actual better experience with it than you would if you try to keep it set at 74. so this just turned into a whole episode on rving and the heat <laughs> here in the fresh tank black tank segment so i'm gonna jump to my fresh tank really quick so we can try to keep this episode under two hours and my <laughs> fresh tank i'm just really quick gonna say goes to a little town in ohio called Lebanon, Ohio. We were just there last week. It is beautifully situated between Cincinnati and Dayton. It is everything that I want in a small historical town. I just wish I could pick it up and take it to the mountains. But if you find yourself uh, passing through that section of Ohio, there's a KOA there that was really great. It's a mile. The KOA is a mile from the downtown, which has co-working space, the oldest hotel in Ohio with one of the best restaurants Jason and I have had dinner at in a long time, bookstores, coffee shops, modern architectural shops. They've got historical homes. Like It's a really, really beautiful community that cares a lot about its community. So I just want to say Lebanon, Ohio is a gem of a Midwestern town not too far from the big city and lots of activities that you can have in Dayton or Cincinnati. Come back to this community, go to the farmer's market, go eat at the Golden Lamb. You can have a drink over at the Black Horse Tavern. It is just an absolute delight. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for uh, putting up with the air conditioner being on. At least we are not sweating buckets here. We appreciate that. If you are looking for any of the items that we talked about in this episode, again, just go look in the description on YouTube or in the show notes for the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to this on. And then, of course, if you are headed over to Amazon and you would like to support RV Miles, one of the best ways to do that is to start at amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. You can take a look through our store or you can head out into Amazon regardless. Any purchase you made by starting at amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles will send a kickback our way and we really greatly appreciate that. It helps us continue to do and create some of the content and the show's that you all enjoy consuming. So thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for being here. We hope that you stay cool, that the summer heat domes uh, just tamper down a little bit, and please keep logging those RV miles. It's going to be hotter for the next few days. You know that, right? It's going to be hundreds next week. Bye, everybody. (sighs) (laughs) Bye, everyone.